0: Thank you for tuning in to Ra- uh, Not Just for Laughs on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, we are here uh, joined in the studio with Max Hollinger. Max Hollinger, you want to say hi? Hello, everybody. And uh, the stand-up comedian and improviser and comedian galore, Mitchell Heffington. Hello. And uh, You said
1: that would be my intro.
0: Oh, man. Well, you know what? A man can't have everything in life. I was I thrown not. by the uh, by the pre-record, but I think we're going to overcome it and uh, move on. So... For all of you who are tuning in for the first time, uh, this is our first show, and we're really proud to be here.
2: Woohoo!
0: Uh, yes, and thankful for the whole community. And uh, we're just going to jump right into talking about comedy and uh, talking about uh, what makes comedy so great. So, uh, Mitchell, do you have anything—I'm throwing this at you—but do you have anything from the week or the past month that—I don't know, some, or today even, that was just like, oh, that was a little weird, or just something that happened that is on your mind?
2: Uh, Yeah, so I this struck me as weird, but uh, actually coming out of the subway station on the way here, I saw a homeless man um, eating some pizza, and I saw him finish the pizza and then just throw away the pizza crust, and something about that struck me as incredibly bizarre. That's
0: literal beggars can't be choosers.
2: <laughs> it That's was...
0: insane. That happened to me recently. I was on a subway and I was eating a sandwich and I had half of it left and I hadn't touched it. And this woman came on and gave this really impassioned plea. And I was like, all right, I'm not that hungry. I was going to just save it, but I'll, I'll give it to her. And I handed it to her. And this guy was like, don't give it to her. She's going to throw it, th- throw it on the floor. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm telling you, she does this all the time. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, it doesn't happen. And then she walked out and literally just threw it on the floor and walked away. Wow. So <laughs> Yes.
1: Well, listen, it's New York. Yeah. Yeah. These are these aren't just any homeless people. These are <laughs> New Yorker homeless people. So and they, like that, we start <laughs>
0: <laughs> we start our show with some homeless talk. Um <laughs> hashtag homeless talk
1: <laughs> at radio free.
0: Um Mitchell, why don't you I'm I'm cutting to this a little fast, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you, but um, for our listeners at home who don't know you, who don't know what you do, what's your dating elevator pitch?
2: Oh boy, Uh, so uh, a little bit about me. I am originally from Texas, and I have degrees in finance and entrepreneurship. And- Those are both
0: very marketable.
2: uh, Very marketable and uh, very unfunny. (laughs) And I, after graduating, worked in the finance industry for a year and a half, uh, still in Texas, and long story short, decided that... Well, we have time for long story
0: long, but also you can get to long story short if you want.
2: For, for the sake of the elevator pitch, I'll okay. make it brief. If we want to expound, we certainly can. But Deal. long story short, I did not like finance, so I started doing some open mics in Austin, where I was living at the time. And... I was by no means good, but I really enjoyed doing open mic nights and I just kind of caught the bug and ultimately moved up here to New York and started doing both stand up and improv.
0: Interesting. Okay. Did you do you find that in Texas open mics had more of uh people on the street came into the open mics? Because in New York I think it has more of a stereotype of just being comedians talking to comedians.
2: Uh there certainly was a a a wider uh, range of people, I think, that came into mics in Texas, not necessarily off the street, but whereas any given Mike here in New York, it's like 70 to 80 yeah. percent men ages 22 to 28. <laughs> there you would see, see parents, you would see um, even really. older than that. I don't know. It was just a very different crowd. and. I think more interesting than the people who came in to perform are the people who actually attended. So the mics in Austin, at least there were a few, you could get a full crowd of paid really? attendees. Let, uh, and you still weren't paid, I'm going to guess. Correct. Okay. But, but this was, was like an out. open
0: mic. You didn't have to, I'm saying you didn't have to get booked. Like this was, you no, were able these to- these were
2: open mics that you would just show up day of, or you would email about a few weeks in advance and you would be put on the show. But- not only were you not booked you didn't have to pay to perform on these mics but you could still draw a paying crowd which is yeah which is unheard of that's too good
1: to be true does that sort of like does that mean that your network was like a little smaller like uh i mean did you ever get to perform like somewhere that you were paid to perform at
2: no no i didn't do that but i also didn't perform for long in austin so i you outgrew austin fast no that's not what i'm saying i'm (laughs) saying that i just moved away from austin pretty quickly so i never really had time to get any traction okay
1: well an important question when you moved to new york how many of your cowboy questions did you have to get or cowboy jokes did you have to (laughs) drop
2: when you moved to new york uh you know audience as you may be able to tell from looking at me i'm not a stereotypical Texan I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have cowboy looks nor do I have cowboy material for the listeners at home he's wearing skinny
1: jeans uh, and a sweatshirt
0: a sweatshirt with a denim jacket no with cowboy hat yeah but he's, he's looking pretty fly I'll put that out there <laughs> well, thank you. Looking I wasn't, pretty fly, I wasn't so. searching for
2: <laughs> but no I didn't have any material that I had to change although I recently did an improv scene Actually, with Ellie. Woo! Where We do I, improv. Uh, and I'm going to take uh, the risk here of trying to retell an improv scene because that's seldom funny.
0: Was it when we were in together? But it was when we were in together. Oh, God.
2: And uh, the suggestion was stickers. Okay. Which, okay. <laughs> this one's Which good. most people think of yeah, we, as little sticky pieces of art. Yeah, and yeah. in Texas, a sticker to me... We have normal stickers. Okay. Yes, <laughs> but a sticker to me is this... Tiny little thorn ball for lack of a better description. You used the that word just,
0: burr which really helped. Yes, oh, it's
2: similar to it. a burr. Like
1: it, the things that get stuck on your shoes and like your socks on Yeah. Yes. Okay.
0: And so, so like, are they like those, they're like and, light brown and crunchy and like but like get stuck in your skin
1: type. Less of thing?
2: crunchy, more sharp. Ooh. So it's it's like a burr but with thorns. And it is Yeah, yeah. It is have, the bane those. of a Texan's existence. And so I tried to do a scene about oh, that great. with a bunch of northeasterners and uh it didn't work Wait, it was awesome. no one did, <laughs> did it actually it just not translate like you thought it was that kind of sticker yeah
1: you thought it was uh, what he did is he said
0: you brought a blanket mitchell's really good at improv and uh i feel i, I don't know for some reason i feel like you're not a lot of people are like you can't be good at both but i think he is and like <laughs> he comes out with like a really good initiation is like all right you brought the blanket for the stickers so i'm like all right I know what the scene is. We're having a picnic and I'm showing him my sticker collection. <laughs> like I'm this nerdy person. And he and I'm like, all right, here are the you. stickers. And he just looks at me. And I look at him. And there's this moment where we're like, we're not communicating.
2: No, we were we had two different stickers. <laughs> I, I brought a blanket so he wouldn't have to sit on stickers. <laughs> he thought I was trying not to sit on sticker stickers yeah. and it became a confusing scene was, yeah. but, but other than okay. that all right
0: it ended up working out because comedy but how <laughs> many errors um i actually that, that story just came up because someone told they used the term salt lick
2: oh yeah that's a barbecue restaurant in austin oh really yeah but it may I mean, be a term as well it's, right,
1: also, but it's also yeah it's a thing it's a noun
0: but they grew up in in atlanta so i was like maybe that's I said is like I just I just had a run in with someone where we both used the same word to make different things. <laughs> Can you define what you mean by that? Because I don't want this to happen again. But uh, I think it just meant something really salty. I don't know.
2: I don't actually know what salt lick means. I just have eaten their barbecue and okay. I recommend it. Was it salty? Yeah. Did you have to lick the salt off? The salt and the, the juice, you know, it's a messy experience. <laughs> so the we lick the isn't man. really, the lick isn't an important part of Salt Lick. It's no. mainly the salt? No, it's mainly the barbecue. Mainly the
1: barbecue. They yeah. should have that in the name.
0: Um, Listen, we don't have to get so, is the word didactic about this? Yeah, you know. Is. Also, I like, I'm not a foodie, but I like how, like, certain places are, like, defined by restaurants. Like, the fact that you're like, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's an Austin restaurant. Like, yeah. That's interesting to me because... To me, I don't know. I've never gone somewhere to just eat at a restaurant. Are you a little bit of a foodie? Yes. Um, oh, well,
2: I, I, okay, to an extent I, in that I enjoy a good meal. I don't think I'm more of a foodie <laughs> than anyone else. You like food. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't okay. care
0: about food. I eat steamed broccoli from the bag every night for dinner.
2: I'm not that far to one end of the spectrum, but I'm also right, not right, right. a foodie per se. I just, my foodie... Manifests itself in not eating anything, not eating at a restaurant with any less than like four stars on Google. Is that? No, okay. That I think that's
0: pretty normal.
2: Okay. I think that's normal. I, but
0: sometimes you have to check out because there's outliers. Like, you know, there's some restaurants that just have a three star because they only have like one, one, um, one review. And right. the review is like, my cat died and I'm sad. And, <laughs> or like, it's always about like, oh, it would be like Postmates problem. It would be like, well, the Postmate person was rude to me. Right. And you're like, well that hasn't you know Postmates is a separate company, right?
1: I hear. I don't know. I don't know. You could it's it could always go either way with reviews. I worked at a restaurant once. The main issue that I find with reviews is I have a hard time trusting whoever's taking the time to write reviews. <laughs> like oh, I yeah. personally have better things to do with my day. Group of people. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't like there was I once worked at a restaurant, we got one star by a guy, he wrote an essay. Like he was going <laughs> for a thesis on like Every issue with the, t- the, the 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 plate and like it was like a, it was like we had served it on plastic and he's like the type of plastic was bad and I didn't like it for this reason. He had categories for things that he liked and didn't like. And I just I don't know if I can trust anybody <laughs> like what. <laughs> yeah. What, what kind of person are you if you can actually put away. Yeah. Like 20 to 30 minutes on a review for a restaurant you probably just kind of passed through. I don't understand Important that. life <laughs> events happen
0: in my life. And I forget to tell my family because I'm so busy. I don't know. He has time yeah. or she has time to post an essay about a burger shop.
1: Yeah, yeah it's it's a bit concerning. <laughs> but also just back on the topic of defining you as a foodie important, I think, barometer for foodie. Do you have an Instagram?
2: I do have an Instagram you take pictures oh, of you- your food. I do not. I don't even take pictures of myself. You want to uh, plug yourself? I, a- <laughs> you know, plugging myself, I feel like would be a futile exercise because I don't post. Oh, okay. I <laughs> have it just because I feel like I need to yeah. have it to give myself pressure. Yeah, a little better chance, I guess. I can post sets on there if I have them on tape, but no, no need to plug.
0: Yeah, also, I don't know. Also, the idea because this is a question I wanted to ask you about. uh, um, and I guess we'll jump into this now is I uh, what, what I'm curious what your thoughts are on. because we discussed um, well we didn't actually I was going to bring this up, but social media and online forms of comedy mm-hmm. when it comes to stand up, especially because you do improv and stand up uh, as a, I'm, unless you do more forms that I'm not aware of. And uh, both of those are in person on stage. Yes. And I'm curious, this can be a broader question of what are your thoughts on let's say memes and some people love it. Some people that's their bread and butter. Some people chuckle at it, but don't appreciate it. And then that ties into the whole social media promotion. You know, there's some people who just like hustle on their social media and like they're literally open mic comedians who you rarely see it. Like, you know, actually performing, but like their social media is like they're, they're able to hype themselves up so well. Um, so what are your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, On the subject of memes specifically, you know, as much as I want to dismiss them, (laughs) I still laugh at them, you know, and generally that's because I'm caught unawares (laughs) so much of comedy is surprising someone. So, you know, you're scrolling through one of the various social media platforms and, you know, out of the abyss pops this funny meme. And I, you know what, I can buy it. I I think that's funny, but that's not me. That's not what I'm good at. So I don't. I don't post things on social media for the most part. Um, I do think it's helpful, though. I see a lot of other comedians posting premises, or I will see mm-hmm. jokes posted that eventually turn into something more. Like, for instance, Julio Torres, who is a stand-up comedian himself. He also helps on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and he's a writer at SNL. He was
0: supposed to be our guest tonight, but we, we bumped him for you. So Wow. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I am honored yeah. um and i think you made <laughs> a mistake he, <laughs> he was
0: like please i need this. He, he's texting me right now yeah,
2: yeah he's probably having a tough time yeah, um anyway i <laughs> follow him on twitter and he had a famous sketch on snl with ryan gosling called papyrus and oh yeah yeah fantastic. oh he's the one who
0: wrote he also wrote a uh, wells for kids yes he wrote oh, that he wrote
2: the sink he wrote a lot of these yeah interesting and unique sketches that have worked really well in SNL recently. Anyway, he wrote Papyrus, which was that, for those who don't know, that sketch that Ryan Gosling was in when he hosted, I think, last year. And the whole sketch was predicated upon Ryan Gosling realizing that the movie Avatar just used the font Papyrus (laughs) for the film and got away with it. No, (laughs) No one questioned them. And so the sketch unfolds and, you know, the further it goes, Ryan Gosling gets more and more frustrated. But (laughs) I follow Julio Torres on Twitter, and he had previously, before he wrote that sketch, tweeted out that idea. And he just said, I can't believe that James Cameron chose papyrus for the font and got away with it. And ultimately, I guess he used Twitter as a way to kind of test the waters to see if that idea had any traction with his followers. And then once he got some solid feedback on that, he wrote it into a sketch did you see the feedback like the retweets or anything or do you remember that or? i don't remember the numbers but i remember it being one of his more trafficked hmm. tweets interesting
1: that's wild imagine
0: and that's so cool because you get to see the life of the joke because yes twitter basically becomes his open mic i'm assuming he's a busy guy if he's working at snl so he doesn't have time necessarily so he right. tweets this out people like it and then he goes into the pitch meeting the next week and they're like hey what idea do you have and he just throws out I had this realization last week, and then we're talking about it a year later, and it's seen as like one of the better SNL sketches of the last few years.
2: Right. So in that regard, I do think that social media, or specifically Twitter, is a great platform to try out kind of your minimum viable punchline, to use some of my old business background (laughs) uh, and lingo, but to test out the, the shortest version of a joke. And then you can yeah. build around it if it works. Interesting.
0: So you like you cut it down. Yeah. The smallest it can be, which is what stand up
1: actually is. Ultimately, And then you just yeah. build it up again. Well, there's a bit of a, I wouldn't call it a debate about that, but there are different ways of looking at that. I think uh, specifically that's Dimitri Martin's style that he talks a lot in different podcasts and interviews that he's had that his favorite type of joke is like the shortest possible like sit up punchline. Uh, but if you watch people like, uh, I don't know. Um, what's the guy's name? Massive guy just released a couple of Netflix specials. Is he name? balding? Yeah. He bald, uh, what's his name? House Agura? No, no, oh. no, no.
0: Um, Bert Kreischer. These are all the ones every, yeah. all the older comedians make fun of. Uh, no, they, They're like, they, who's this
1: Bert Kreischer guy? I, I can't believe I'm forgetting this. Bald African-American.
2: Uh, Dave Chappelle?
1: Dave Chappelle, yeah. So, yeah. okay, well, uh, that's... That's that's on me, I am, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, am, no, I, know <laughs> I blank my names all the time. OK, all the time.
0: I had to teach myself to remember the name Richard Pryor because I knew people would be like, you don't know who that is. So I had to like memorize that's an important story. one, I guess. Yeah. yeah, very important. I
1: guess. Uh, but he in a lot of his stand ups. I mean, it's different since he's so just he, like he's just like so funny mm-hmm. as a person. His style isn't really like punchline. He's just funny throughout. Yeah. There were a couple of his stand-ups where it was was really a long story that he was just like drawing you in. And the punchline was like after like 10 minutes. No, 100%.
0: I was just – my girlfriend actually, we were just talking about this yesterday about how a comedian who has a base is able to go bluer and able to go edgier because they have the benefit of the doubt that we know they're a good person. Whereas Mm -hmm. at an open mic, if someone gets up and they say something at the edge – you're like well i don't know is this guy like i don't know what this guy actually believes i don't know if this person's joking around or not right. um so someone like dave Chappelle, it, it that extends to he can talk for a few minutes or um now it's my turn to blank um norm mcdonald can go for a few minutes cuz we know there's going to be a punchline at the end like we're like okay we're going to wait cuz there's going to be a laugh at the end cuz they right. have years of material behind them that, but whereas if i get up and i'm talking they're like Maybe this guy thought this was a poetry mic, you
1: know? <laughs> well, and also, does this guy is he? Does he know where he is? Uh,
0: has he, he looks vaguely confused? And my friends are like, "No, he's always like that."
2: Um. Oh gosh, I'm torn. I have two stories. <laughs> I'm one of the friends. I'll, who uh, uh, have, uh, I'll, I'll choose this poetry. story. I'll choose. Oh, okay. I'll choose this one. Just talking about people doing the wrong form of comedy at an open mic night. <laughs> I went to a mic at a bar here in town and it's uh it's a more eccentric mic, um <laughs> not the most uh traditional stand up comedy a lot of uh a lot of attempts at making something unique and fresh anyway, as a prime example <laughs> i
0: that was a very kind way to put it,
2: oh yeah, yeah, well, I don't think it's wrong. I just think it's different you know okay. it's not my sense of humor, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong so anyway, I went to this mic, and my jokes are a little more buttoned up, a little more wordy, and the uh, performer that the story is about got up, and uh, she's a woman, and she got up on stage, and she undressed down into the nude, and there was a piano on stage okay. in the corner, and she walked over to the piano, and she proceeded to play the piano with her face. <laughs> and just (laughs) smashed her forehead against the keys of the piano. And the people in the audience were applauding, and they're like, good for you, you know, this is you being you, and that's fine, but she crushed. And that's one of those moments where I am just like questioning everything I've ever known about comedy and myself, and I'm like, if that's what it takes to be funny in this city, I don't have a chance. There are a few times in life,
1: and they're very strange times, when you have to ask yourself, should I be naked
2: right now? <laughs> oh, and it's, Would that be better? It's much harder when you see it work. The problem too. is every
0: struggling actor has asked themselves that question. Like, True. maybe I can strip and make money. And now it's
2: like, you can do both. <laughs> I have never been tempted to do that. I, uh, my physique is not going to sell me. I know it's going to have to be something else.
0: <laughs> well, it can be your jokes, hopefully. Ideally. I think the reason I laughed extra hard is I think I just saw that same comedian Three weeks ago, um, that was not- a different video online, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we need we need a little sound effect for that, but we don't have it yet. But um, um but and I was talking to a friend, uh, a, a, fr- a comedian friend of mine, and I was like, I just went to this show, and this girl just got up and stripped naked, and just said, "Guys, draw me." What? And just stood there. <laughs> And he starts laughing. He's like, was this and this, her name? I'm like, yeah, he goes, she's my best friend.
2: <laughs> wow.
0: He's like, I agree. It was, you know, out there, but like, and I was like, I'm glad I didn't say anything bad. Like, I just like told you the story, but it's just a small world. And now yeah. you're bringing it up. I guess she's getting around. Well, like,
2: I, it, I'm not surprised that an act like that is talked about, but it's crazy that it's this connected within the right? comedy world. It's
0: so weird. And like, I like it's, an improv connection and this is a sketch friend and like it just all interconnects but
2: a uh, nudity
1: transcends yeah. i mean but, i i saw a homeless woman undressed on the subway this morning maybe it's the same, <laughs> and oh, no yeah. one laughed <laughs> <laughs> wasn't funny it, it was not funny but that's what's
0: so i i i think that you touched on something which made me think which is so i have a survival job as well um and at first i was really resistant to it but i think that it's teaching me a lot about comedy and uh, it's it's marketing. And one of the things is I work with a real estate team and um, I, we were discussing their, their, their branding and how they have to be themselves. They can't, if they brand themselves to be like young and millennial and they're not young and millennial then they're just going to get calls from a bunch of people that want a young and millennial real estate team and it's going to fail. Yeah. But if they lean into who they are, even if it's not, Cool, they're gonna get more the the more of the right clients. So, like that's if that, and and it's so hard to say that because you're like, I want laughs. Right. We're all do I mean, I don't know, we're all, but like we want laughs, we want a connection with the audience. And we're like, but the audience wants this. Right. And you kind of want to be like, well, then you have to remember, like, but that's not you. Like, you're good at something. And maybe like that comedian, comedian, N N E saw you and was like, wow, I wish like I was able to memorize my joke and write it out so well and perform it so
2: like tightly. I know she didn't think it about that show because I <laughs> bombed. Not a single left, not even a look of recognition. Oh my God. You know, people just stared blankly at me for five minutes and <laughs> I went home and it was one of the sadder nights in comedy. But you're right. You have to be yourself on stage and uh, this is... A little aside, but I, again, long story short, met Bill Ingvall, one of my first okay. months Shh. here in Shh. New York, and right. uh, it was a mutual acquaintance that set up this meeting with him. So oh, I went. And you to, had a sit down meeting. I had him. a sit down meeting before Bill Ingvall's show in Westbury, New York. That's crazy. And uh, I do not recommend commuting out to <laughs> Westbury. <laughs> okay. uh, not fun. Metro North. I don't even remember, remember. to be honest. I think it was probably the Long Island Railroad, but there were so many changes in between that... (laughs) Anyway, um, that's that's a story for another day. But anyway, I met Bill before the show, and he is a wonderful person. Uh, Very funny, but also just the nicest guy. And he gave me this piece of advice. He said, I'm going to tell you what Jay Leno told me which is a crazy, That's insane. <laughs> which is a crazy lead into a nugget of advice. <laughs> I'm now one degree of separation from Jay Leno's yeah. advice, but he said, Jay Leno told me when I first started that the audience can tell when you're lying or they can mm-hmm. tell when you're talking about something that you don't know. And the takeaway of that advice, at least for me, was, you know, be yourself right. and Honestly, it's a lot harder than I thought it would be. I think so much of the early stages of at least my career in comedy have been trying to figure out what my voice is. There are some jokes that when I'm writing them, I think this is close, but I still don't feel like I have a joke yet that my friends or those who know me well would point to and say, oh, that's so you. That's such a Mm, Mitchell joke. I haven't formed that yet. I haven't formed my persona or my voice on stage, whereas you hear, you know, what John Mulaney joke today, where yeah. it's a little whiny, and he uses funny turns of phrases, and ultimately he surprises you with word choice and with where he takes a story, and you go, "Oh, that's such a him joke." Yeah, or and, Bill
0: Burr ranting, and you're like, "That's such." We all thought that, but that's such a Bill Burr take.
2: Right. Exactly. And it's only it's only something that works if it's coming from that person. Mm. And I'm not there yet. Right. That's weird. really
0: hard though. I was just watching um there's a show on Amazon Prime called uh that just came out I think a few weeks ago called Inside Jokes and it tracks five or six comedians trying to get into the Just for Laughs festival in Montreal. And the episode I'm on now cuz I haven't finished it yet is um disgusting voice and they're saying how like it can take usually takes comedians like up to 5 years to figure that out because in the beginning you're working on jokes and and then at a certain point you get your voice, but like, I don't, I don't, that's such a foreign idea to me. Like, yeah. I don't know who I am in real life. Like, how am I going to know who I am on stage? <laughs> it's like, it requires, it requires really deep, like that vulnerability. Like we discussed this a little bit about like really being vulnerable on stage and being like, Hey guys, like, <clears throat> especially because for some of us, uh, we go on stage cause we want affirmations. Yeah. And then you get on stage and you're like, Oh, all those things I use comedy to cover up. I'm now gonna bear it all to you.
2: Yeah, Uh, it's interesting getting up on stage for affirmation. I never would have said that I needed affirmation until I started doing comedy. It's weird, I wasn't aware of it until I started doing it and Mm. realized that, you know, not necessarily in my day-to-day life, but certainly with comedy, I need people to think I'm funny. There's so much of my self-worth wrapped up in getting laughs. Yeah, And that's certainly part of the motivation getting on stage but it is weird how you have to be self-aware to tell a good joke you you mentioned ellie not knowing yourself off stage so how could you possibly know yourself on stage and that's a real that's a real struggle you know you have to i don't think you necessarily have to have yourself completely figured out but you have to be honest yeah
0: that's what uh my therapist just told me she was like like you need a. she gives me great comedy advice and she's like <laughs> she's like you need she's like i once dated a comedian so i know comedy comedians because <laughs> but she's like maybe your voice is you don't know who you are. Yeah. Or like uh, wh- whatever that is. I thought that was an interesting perspective but like just embracing it. Like stop,
2: you know. And you know i think that's probably the most relatable point of view. I think very few mm. people are certain of who they are. And yeah. so maybe we should as you know, comedians, the three of us, but then also as the greater comedy community should be a little more honest about that and try to write jokes from a position of uncertainty and not necessarily try to decide who we are and then tell from that perspective.
1: So in order to get there, you think it's like a trial and error thing? Like say you're talking to somebody and just like you need to try to be honest with yourself. How how does one do that?
0: Especially because just to build on your question, especially because, and I feel like we could all talk about this together, but when you come up with a good joke, it's really hard to be like, oh, but this isn't my voice. Yeah. Cause you're like, but it's going to get a laugh. I know. Like I just wrote a joke. I'm like, I know we'll get a laugh, but like, it's not me.
2: Yeah. That has happened. So to your question first, Max, how, how do you figure that out? Uh, yeah. Trial and error. Ultimately, mm. every question that I have about stand up is answered with reps. Like, how do I know if a joke works? Reps. How do you know if it's in your voice? Reps. You just have to try them. And that's, Often the unfortunate reality of stand-up comedy is that you have to fail yeah. before you can succeed.
1: Yeah. I have a, I have a joke that I do at a lot of mics uh, just on that where I'm just like, uh, hey, like I'm, really, I'm, I'm sort of new to comedy, but I have been listening to a lot of podcasts and I've been doing <laughs> a lot of research into comedy to try to get ready for this. And a lot of the major comedians say, you got to fail a lot before you can get good. And so if you don't like it, I'm just trying to be professional up here. <laughs> so I'm sorry if you paid to come. And that usually does okay. Yeah, um, although it uh, happens to be you and I. I love
0: that one. I've I've seen you do it twice. No, it, it does Both well.
1: Times. Only we were in a room. Like sometimes it's just a bad room. room. It's just like. It was a weird. Yeah. it was, There was like. It was. It was just a bad. It was a Tuesday night. And it was just a bad room. And it was just a, a bunch of comedians. That just didn't care to laugh at each other's jokes. Yeah. And,
0: and it was one of those it, things where. And. I, oh, whatever. I don't want to judge anyone. But like. The whole comedian does their set and just walks out. Yeah, and yeah, like a lot It was, so, it was like was 10 people and three or four of them just walked out. And it was just like, come on.
2: I, ha- I try to keep a pretty strict policy of not blaming a room, which I'm not implying that right, you're right, doing. Right, right. But I'm, I'm, we can yeah. also be honest and say some rooms are better for laughs than yeah. others. And those rooms where there are 10 people and all 10 of them are comedians and every single one is going to walk out after their set. I think yeah. you can be honest and say, you know, this room wasn't prime for good feedback. Yeah, you know, you know John Mulaney's quote about like what uh, open mics in New York are like. Dude, you,
1: you know this? I haven't. He's heard like, that he, he, he's just like, open mics in New York are really hard because it's ten people and nine of them are comedians and the tenth guy is just a pile of coats.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's pretty accurate. Actually. It is very accurate. <laughs> yeah, that was actually really. I, I don't know. Maybe you, despite the challenges of that, uh, I personally found it very comforting. Um, also, a little bit that like we're all comedians. Um, like when I go to an open mic and I'm like, I'm a little nervous about how I'm gonna perform, I think about how we're all just trying to like sort of perform. Yeah. I don't know that's kind of comforting.
2: The thing that's most helpful for me, if I'm nervous or if I just get in my head about the set that I'm about to do is just to quite literally zoom out and just try to picture the whole of New York City living their lives completely <sighs> unaware of what you're doing. It yes. just, in in a way, you. Gotta be careful with that because if you get too far out, you start to feel really small. But, <laughs> yeah. but so like from to a uh, down be on sure. stage, <laughs> nothing matters. Yeah, you don't want to get nihilistic <laughs> about things. But if you zoom out just far right. enough, you right. can right. see enough of the city to realize that what you're doing isn't going to make or break you. It I is. feel
0: like that helps though with every like everything. Yeah, like I'll be in a moment. I'll be I'll be like getting really mad about something or taking something for granted. And I just zoom out like one notch. And I'm like, what would I say if I was walking past? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, there's some dude just like getting up to do comedy. Cool. Like, that's all it is. It's just yep. you're getting up and talking, and everyone's gonna forget it. And like maybe they'll remember one or two jokes, maybe, but like you just just do your thing.
2: I was speaking with this person on a flight recently. She talked me up, and generally I don't like to talk on flights, but this yeah. turned out to be a really good conversation. She was a psychologist from California and she had been in New York for some conference and she asked me what I did and I told her about comedy and she, <laughs> I was telling her it kind of about the open mic scene and how, you know, you're so worried about it, but ultimately like no one's going to remember what you say. It's not a big deal. And she said, oh, that's really interesting. We just talked about memory at this conference and they told us that 93% of the things people remember about us when we're talking to them is nonverbal. And what? that floored me, and it also made me feel really, really I, bad. Isn't the right word, but it was just a weird feeling because our entire, at least as stand-up comedians, our entire career is words. Yeah, and so it's really weird to think that ninety-three percent of the work I do is forgotten, and in my in place of my words is my physical gestures or my general. Yeah vibe or persona um i need to fact check that i need to stop throwing around that number without (laughs) looking it up for myself because it's staggeringly large
0: it could i mean listen it could be that it was in in one application but and every comedian is different like i like think about uh um jim gaffigan from my experience he's pretty he just stands there on stage with his mic awkwardly to his chin yeah and as if he's like shaving and just talks (laughs) whereas like I, I, or like Mitch Hedberg, you know, is the same way. Yeah. And then you have like, uh, Brian Regan, who's, his face is half the joke. Like, I remember listening to jokes growing up when I didn't have like, I didn't have like any video of him. It was just like the audio. Right. And I'd be, there'd be moments where I'm like, I don't know what the joke is. Cause I can't, there's, and the audience yep. is dying, like yeah. waves of laughter. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> I,
2: the aforementioned Richard Pryor is a great example of that, you know, there is more audio of him than video. And so a lot of my exposure to Richard Pryor has been his CDs. Mm. And there'll be these moments where there's, you know, an enormous laughter from the crowd, but you didn't see it. So you don't get to play along. But anyway, that is just a little story to paint a picture of how relatively insignificant any given mic is, any given five-minute set is. And again, I don't want to go too far with that because... I don't why want do anything to... or yeah. Yeah. Or if you no one cares, why am I
0: performing? Cause obviously it matters and, and you're getting, I mean, there's that side point of like, we focus so hard on getting better. We forget that like, there's real people there. Maybe some, like I've definitely gone home and told friends about a joke. I heard at an open mic. Oh yeah. And, but like, I think we're also focused on like, but is this going to make us better? Are we doing our reps? Are we doing our 10,000 hours? Yeah. That like <laughs> we forget that we're just doing comedy, even if we're not on just for laughs or whatever.
2: Right. I, uh, I also have a therapist and I started seeing Woo, therapy Therapy is a wonderful thing if you have access to it. Yeah. You, I, I recommend it. Anyway, so I was going to my therapist specifically for anxiety. I think a lot of it being comedy related and I lost myself down a rabbit trail of frustrations mm-hmm. and kind of disappointments. And she said a very simple thing, which I think kind of mirrors what you just said. And she said, well, I don't know, whenever you start to stress about comedy, just remember that it's what you love. Mm-hmm. And it was very, it's a very simple thing to say, but I think oftentimes I get very upset by comedy but and, and by doing so, I forget that I chose to do it and Interesting. that yep. I love to do it. It's good advice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's almost as if sometimes, and Max, you can chime in on this as well, but like sometimes I just get mad at no one. And if I <laughs> asked myself that, I'd be like. I'm not like comedy isn't a person. It's like like you're doing this, and yes, it's hard, but get over it. Like there's yeah. there's no one holding you back. This is just like yeah, like the fact of the matter is there's open mics, and the fact of the matters are, are that there's like festivals you have to apply to, but like it's just comedy. Like get better. Like yeah. you love
1: this. You want to be good at it.
2: Yeah. What a what a silly thing to get worked up about.
0: Yeah.
1: Also, it's important. Like we've been talking a lot about context in a lot of ways.
2: Um, yeah.
1: But. Just like putting even just comedy into perspective and just sort of like being honest with yourself and like realizing just how hard it is you're trying to make complete strangers laugh in five minutes like i can yeah. barely do that with my dad <laughs> uh, and so i've known him for quite a while my dad. um it's just it's just like being it's show. just like realizing the challenge and the size of the challenge it's really something that's, like, comforting. It will help you through, like, even, like, tough open mics where nobody really pays yeah. attention.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. What were you saying? It's an insane exercise to be given five minutes in front of strangers because you have to introduce yourself. You kind of have to establish who you are and yeah. what your voice is. And then within that context, you have to make a joke that aligns with what you just established as who you are and what your perspective is.
0: Mm-hmm. So in a way, like to make bring an improv analogy, you're stand up, you're doing a who, what, where, but sometimes it's nonverbal. It's by your, like how you're standing, how you're talking, you're, you're, you're being like, Hey, Hey audience, here's the contract between me and you. I'm going to be like this for the next five minutes.
2: Yeah. It, uh, honestly, even down to what you wear establishes mm-hmm. who you are on stage. I very intentionally choose clothes that I think fit me the best, not just the mm-hmm. fit itself, like the size, but fit my persona better so it would feel unnatural if i got up on stage in pearl snaps and cowboy (laughs) boots it just wouldn't work my voice and my my words would betray me very quickly and it would also look at a place to get up in a three-piece suit because i i mess around a little bit i don't take things yeah too seriously
0: unless that's your thing you know i mean like every it's an uh um Melissa McCarthy was saying when she m- first moved to New York um what she would do is she would just like she was working in fashion and she would just get like wigs from a friend or a weird outfit from a friend and she just put it on and improvise at, at an open mic
1: yeah like
0: that was just what she would do cuz that's like her thing yeah but like if that's not your thing yeah like you got to would you say you put a lot of thought into your comedic voice even if you didn't do a lot of comedy in Austin
2: yes okay. i think so much about my voice and I've had a lot of conversations with friends recently and I appreciate the fact that they indulge me on these things, but I would just ask them, I would say, look, I'm not asking for a compliment here. I'm trying to get an honest answer. Mm. What do you think I'm good at? Like, what about what I do makes you laugh? Because I'm really trying to hone my act and I want to know what my voice is.
0: I remember you asked me that question.
2: Yeah, I did improv. Yeah. And I was
0: like, oh, that's an interesting question. But now that you've, say that i'm like oh that's a really smart question
1: as somebody who also just to chime in uh also have a ther- has a therapist and also has <gasps> struggles with anxiety Oh, <laughs> three of us not. another comedian who has we must be out of with these kinds of issues. out of the
0: norm most people probably never ever talk about uh, quite never actually speaking we're the only <laughs> we're three the people only three who have therapists
1: really interesting <laughs> i looked that up before i got here wow but, like as somebody who does that I always struggle with, um, and this is going to lead into a question about it, just, like, not really knowing myself and also with my anxiety and, like, a, a bit of a lack of self-confidence, not really being able to properly gauge what I am good at and what is me mm-hmm. and then asking people, hey, what is me? What, what are you good at? And they'll be like, oh, you're good at this. So I'm like, nah. Like, <laughs> you don't know. You're just being you don't nice. know. So, like, in terms of just, like, I don't know, like, taking other people's word yeah. on that, like, anything that comment the thing on that. that- is your
0: Achilles heel is what you need to overcome to be able to be good or to hear a compliment?
2: That's true. That's true. But at the same time, there is something to be said for focusing on your strengths and kind of being honest with yourself, like knowing your role. To use a basketball analogy, yeah. if you are not a good shooter, then you probably shouldn't shoot. You know, mm-hmm. so I am not necessarily a proponent of trying to do the thing you are worst at, but you should certainly work to improve right. across yeah. the board. But to your question, Max. How do you receive feedback from friends? Um, it's tricky because a relationship is not, or at least a friendship is not the same relationship as a performer to an audience. So the things that you do between the two of you, you don't necessarily do on stage. So right. it's, it's not like what they say applies directly to your act. But ultimately, I think you are kind of trying to capture what you are best at in a relationship And put that on stage because that's probably closest to who you are. Hmm.
0: That's a very clear headed approach. It's hard though, in the moment, when you get that comp, you get like an insult or a compliment or feedback, constructive feedback that you didn't want or didn't expect. And to be like, this is all for the best.
2: Right. And again, I try to remind them I'm not looking for affirmation here. I'm looking for you to help me see myself more so than Mm. asking for affirmation on my sense of humor. I'm asking you to help me with self-awareness. And generally, that's been helpful. And then even when friends come and see my act, not necessarily, um, or not the friendship itself, but they come see me do a set somewhere, then afterwards I ask them to give me feedback. And they always say, mm. like, look, I'm not an expert on this, yeah. but this. And I'm like, look, comedians don't perform to experts. They perform right. to people. So you're perspective is more helpful to me than like my fellow uh, comedians. Yeah. If I'm being completely honest.
0: It doesn't matter what a fellow comedian says. They're never going to pay for a ticket. They're right. going to ask me for a comp. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. So now uh, everybody pull out a cocktail of your choice uh, unless you're driving and uh, unless you're in a country listening in a country where it's legal and uh, we're going to play some of Mitchell's comedy. And you'll be like, wow, this guy's really, really funny. And uh, here we go.
2: Good evening, Gotham. How is everyone? We good? Good. Thank you all for coming out tonight. My name is Mitchell Heffington. I am 6'5, but I'm all legs. I recently measured and my legs are 4 feet tall. <laughs> let, let me put that in perspective. If my legs were accompanied by an adult, they could ride every ride at Coney Island.
1: Thank you. All right, and we're back. So we were just told that uh Mitchell and I, our mics, we're not close enough to our mouths to reload the hear properly. So we're going to start the whole show over <laughs> again right now. Uh, we just want to get this right. So, um, Ellie, can you introduce
0: yourself? Uh, so, hi, my name is Ellie Raskin. I'm hosting your show. Our show is, uh, we do vaudeville acts. And uh, I remember uh, Mitchell that. Okay. Just, just narrates them. So uh, we're just going to start now. And um, right now,
2: I'm putting on a top hat. Mm. And so a man walks down the street a man walks into a bus Ah! bus (laughs) door opens and the bus driver says you getting on? (laughs) the
1: end
0: that was improv there it
1: is and then he he takes off his clothes and he starts
2: playing (laughs) the piano with his head (laughs) Uh, and then he kills absolutely (laughs) crushes on the bus
0: and the audience loves him and makes him <laughs> the president. Anyway. So I, I think you'd have a really interesting. So that set was good. Uh, you didn't bomb. Uh, I watched it. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, I watched one of your sets you'd sent me a few months ago. I remember being like, oh, it's really funny because you had that joke about uh, uh, A minor. Yes. And I don't want to say the punchline that, the setup, because it sounds weird. Yeah, it's out of context. <laughs> uh, but uh, what do you. You talked about bombing before. What is your, I feel like you probably are someone who has a backup plan. Like when you bomb, like what do you tell yourself? How do you cope with that?
2: It depends on where and how, you know, it's, it's contextual, but honestly, I don't really have a backup plan. If I'm bombing, I don't change anything. I just Mm -hmm. keep going with the jokes and accept the fact that I probably wasted $5 (laughs) in five minutes and a beer. And maybe a beer. Although I don't like drinking before I get up. If there's a drink minimum, I'll buy food. I'll buy a soda. But I want to be stone cold sober so that I... Do you
0: feel like it doesn't count if you do it when you're on something? Or it's just your own personal preference?
2: No, it's a a personal choice, but it's intentional. I want to be hyper aware of how people are reacting. Mm. I don't want anything about what I'm doing to be... uh, carefree is the word that came to mind i don't think that's what i'm looking for because i do want to be loose on stage but i don't want to be so loose that i miss something i don't want to miss a facial expression or a look i find that what i'm if i drink before a set i i i feel i'm
1: slower i'm like not as like on it right as i once was in order like in order for me to like hit the hit hit to hit the beats that i need to hit i gotta just be like completely there yeah
0: i don't know i feel like for me i get really anxious like i get when I, like, I love performing, but for some reason, the second I get on stage, my mind just starts buzzing. You know, those times, not all the time, you know, those times when like you, you do something and you finish it and you're like, I'm not really sure what I said or did. Right. And I hope I didn't say anything bad. Um, and I think like one time I, I, same thing. I try not to drink. And then one time it was like drink minimum. And I was like, oh, I'll get a beer. And I, it was actually helped a little, like now- I was. Like the anxiety was lower and I was able to like read the room a little more. And obviously I don't want to create that habit right? because uh, I've never, ever heard a story that was like, so I started drinking at open mics and like everything went well Right and now
1: I'm Brian Regan. You know, this doesn't happen like that. I mean, you don't hear that anywhere. It's just like, I went to a job interview and I drank before a lot. It went really well. Well, there's right. one. No, there's, I knew I didn't get the job.
0: There's one bit. One of the comedians on the uh, inside joke said he was like, I'm a couch salesman. And I, I didn't want to quit. I wanted to get fired. So I was like, I'm just going to smoke weed before every, uh, before every day at work. But apparently I found out smoking weed makes you a really good couch sale. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> you want to sit so down on funny. the couch and
0: talk? Why, of course. <laughs> so not every job. But, um, but yeah, that's not a habit you want to get into. And um, So on stage, you're, it sounds like you're, you're pretty aware like you're you're analyzing the response you're responding
2: yeah once you get comfortable enough with your material it's like your mouth is moving without the help of your brain because my words i i know mm-hmm. like the back of my hand so i'm not paying attention to my to the words themselves or even the delivery i'm paying attention to reactions in the audience so i can really i can really sharpen up the timing or see how they look at me so I, that that's feedback right. they're Physical reactions to a joke is feedback, and often their physical reactions are more objective than anything they would say or any laugh they may give. Mm. So if someone gets squeamish, I I know maybe this isn't a good subject to talk about, or maybe I just haven't said something in the way I intended, and Mm -hmm. I use that as feedback. So especially at a place like a mic where there are 10 people in the room, like we've said, and they're all comedians, you're starved for feedback. You feel like you get nothing. Back yeah, from the audience, it's it's,
0: it's horrible. It, it's made me go like weeks without doing an open mic because it's yeah. such a horrifying feeling of being like, you can boo me, but I need a reaction. Like it's so terrifying not getting anything.
1: Yeah. I remember the one of the one of the first times I went to a mic. It was also one of the first times I went to a mic like by myself. Do you go to, do you go with friends a lot or to perform? Or? No, I'm always yeah. by myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Okay. Well, yeah. uh, For me, that was terrifying. And you are a brave soul. <laughs> yeah. But I went by myself. And after the show, I went to the host. And I asked, hey, can I get any feedback on my show? And he's just like, hmm, do you maybe want to uh, take some of the lessons that we offer here? I'm just like, no. that's no. not feedback. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> that's sailing. That's telling me that. That's and also, all the people that performed took lessons and they were all really bad. So I'm not really <laughs> sure how well that went, but for him, but I, I hear, wait, do you, just to comment on how you explain that, you say you know your words stone-cold do you practice a lot in the mirror before you go up
2: or like during the week like yeah do do i that? uh i pace the, my living room and just talk it out loud to myself really? yeah and do you have roommates i do have roommates obviously i do this when they're not home okay and this <laughs> i uh just wondering i hold a flashlight to simulate a microphone okay and i just talk to myself like a crazy person <laughs> and it, it really helps me i that's amazing In
0: the moment, you may seem like a crazy person, but on stage, you seem much more natural probably because of it.
2: Yeah. If you're used to talking the words instead of performing them, it sounds a little more natural. It's true. All
0: right. We have one more minute left. Quick question. Uh, You're looking at your 10-year-old self. What do you say? With all the therapy and uh, open mics that you've hosted and and performed and life, everything, what do you you tell them?
2: My 10-year-old self would have been in third grade, I think. So... In third grade, I think the thing I was worst, most worried about was like being different than everyone. For whatever mm. reason, you convince yourself that fitting in is like the most important thing. Yeah. And that's still true today. We talked about like conforming your comedy to what you see working on stage or just trying to have your own fresh mm. take. So I would have told my 10 year old self, like, be be conscious of how you may be trying to conform to what everyone else is doing and give yourself the freedom to be yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, Mitchell, thank you for that. Thank you for being our first ghost, first guest, uh, not <laughs> ghosting us. Uh, first ghost. Where'd he go? Honestly, it has been a joy, and I am so honored that uh, you've been here with us today.